Just over a hundred protesters showed up outside of the Ontario College of Psychologists on Wednesday to protest potential disciplinary action against Jordan Peterson. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev's office has confirmed that no MP from the party will be attending the upcoming World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. And an unvaccinated woman who was removed from the top of the organ transplant list is now hoping her case will be heard by Canada's top court. Finally, a new survey reveals that food banks across the country are expecting to see visits increase by 60% this year, following a surge demand in 2022. Hello Canada, it's Thursday, January 12th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Rachel Emanuel. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Following the Ontario College of Psychologists' attempt to censure renowned author and psychologist Dr. Jordan Peterson, a large group of protesters showed up outside of the college's Toronto offices to show their support for Peterson. Peterson is being subjected to mandatory social media retraining by the college. However, he is challenging the college in court and will not comply with their demands, he says. He has filed an application for judicial review with the Ontario Divisional Court. Now, Peterson says he has practiced for 20 years without an investigation. He claims he only started being targeted by the college when he became a prominent figure. The college is investigating tweets of Peterson that involve being critical of the Trudeau government, one supporting the Freedom Convoy, and one's criticizing transgender actor Elliot Page, formerly known as Ellen Page. True Notes Harrison Faulkner was on the scene. You can watch his full report at www.tnc.news. Rachel, I really feel like the college messed with the wrong person here. This is almost more blowback, perhaps, than they were expecting. I have no doubt that that's the case. They definitely were picking one of Canada's most influential figures to go up against in their fight here. Jordan Peterson is arguably one of the greatest minds of his generation, and he has so much influence not just in Canada, but across the world. That being said, I'm actually surprised it took them this long to go after him. I mean, think about during the COVID-19 pandemic. We saw doctors that came out with dissenting viewpoints on COVID-19 and its treatments frequently being silenced by their college. Jordan Peterson is an influential figure, but he's also really unpopular in certain circles. And I'm surprised it's taken them this long to come out against him. I think that just speaks to them not really having any evidence, not having a good argument for them to actually go after his license. One would think that the items that would be particularly applicable to an investigation are when you are doing things very directly related to your practice. So, of course, if a patient complains about things that you have done uh, while performing your professional duties, or if you're going on television or tweeting about things related to being a psychologist in ways that violate those terms, this is someone who, yes, a high-profile psychologist, but he's just freestyling on his views on on politics and the world. And I, I suppose if a member of the public says, geez, I don't like what he's saying, I'm, I'm never going to use him as a psychologist, well, there you go, buyer beware, that the issue's been solved. Exactly, and that's sort of an obvious solution to what we're seeing here, but that just isn't what we have nowadays. We have this group thing going on where everyone is expected to hold the same views, and only certain views are permissible in the public sphere. Certainly, Jordan Peterson doesn't present those views, he doesn't share them on his own Twitter. So I'm not surprised to see this kind of pushback against him, but again, it is wrong. I think when we see the complaints that are being made against him, it is exactly what you just described. It's for things he said on Twitter, it's his political opinions, it's him poking fun at people. So I'm interested to see where the rest of this case is going to go. 
As the world elites make their way to Davos for the World Economic Forum, Conservative leader Pierre Polyev's office has confirmed that no MP from the party will be attending the upcoming conference. In an emailed statement, Polyev's spokesperson told True North that Conservative MPs will not be attending. This comes after Polyev promised while running to become leader of the party last year that he would boycott the WEF, which has been accused of influencing Canadian decision-making and pushing an elite agenda. In May, Polyev said, quote, My ministers in my government will be banned from participating in the World Economic Forum when I'm in government. Work for Canada. If you want to go to Davos, to that conference, make it a one-way ticket. Several Canadians will be attending the conference, including Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland and Minister Mary Ng. True North will be on the ground in Davos starting this weekend to report on the proceedings. Anthony, we covered this a little bit on Tuesday. You know, there's so many Canadians that oppose the WEF. It seems like it would have been an easy win for the Liberal government just to avoid sending any of their ministers this year. But I suppose the big question here is how much influence does the WEF actually have on the Canadian government? No, absolutely. And there's been a a lot of noise made about statements like Klaus Schwab saying we have successfully penetrated the liberal government. He's used words like that, which I'm sure makes a lot of uh, liberal optives go, oh man, I wish he wasn't saying this sort of stuff. It, It really doesn't work well for us here. But as I said earlier in the week, I almost think that the liberals like when people get worked up about Davos because then they can make accusations about, oh look, they're conspiracy theorists and we need Bill C-11 so we can uh, restrict things people are saying online about all of this. I I am curious to see what Christy Freeland says at the event, what sort of issues she's choosing to push to this like-minded crowd of more progressive-leaning politicians and and general activists and and influential global figures. I'm also curious to see what the main themes are there that are well-received by the Liberal government, because the main thing the WEF is, I find, is progressive people looking to really push the limits on a lot of the issues out there that collectively they end up moving forward with. Things like, you know, the Paris deal, where these things don't get created in a vacuum. This happens in the global cocktail circuit. And this is just yet another global cocktail circuit event where a lot of ideas that we don't really have a say in in regular folks, they're going to be getting their origins from a place like this. So I guess the big question is, what do you have planned next for us, elites? Sure. And while you're talking about what's going to be happening there on the ground next weekend... You know, it's obviously very expensive to travel to Switzerland. I've been there myself a couple times, and I can imagine that Davos is absolutely no exception. I'm wondering, as an editor, from your perspective, why is it so important for True North to have someone there on the ground covering the WEF conference? Yeah, Rachel, I'm really excited to see what Andrew Lawton's reporting brings us on the ground in Davos, because, like I said, a lot of times when ideas come forward in a House of Commons committee, we know about them, reporters are there. If it comes out from a think tank based in Canada, uh, you know because you have access to those documents much more readily. Uh, Davos is a part of the broader feeder, feeder system of ideas. These ideas are, are, are sometimes conceived there, and then a few years later they become Canadian policy. So that's why it's so important, I think, that Canadian journalists do pay attention there, because Christy Freeland, Justin Trudeau, and others, uh, they're sitting in on these workshops, and someone says, hey, I got this idea for, for something we should do, some new, I don't know, climate change regulation. And the Liberal government may first hear of it there. Annette Lewis is hoping Canada's top court will save her life. The unvaccinated woman who was removed from the top of the organ transplant list is hoping her case will be heard by the Supreme Court of Canada. In November, three Alberta appeal court judges unanimously affirmed a lower court ruling that clinical judgments are not subject to charter scrutiny, ending Lewis's bid to return to the top of the organ transplant list. 
Lewis is dying of a terminal illness, and she has been challenging the constitutionality of COVID-19 vax requirements for transplant candidates put in place by Alberta Health Services, an Alberta hospital and six transplant doctors for more than a year. Now, according to the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, which is representing Lewis, the Supreme Court will make definitive findings on whether doctors working within a provincial government transplant program are immune from scrutiny under the Charter and Provincial Bill of Rights legislation. Now, Lewis is also asking the court to consider whether government health care providers like AHS can avoid charter scrutiny of their policies, which are similar to doctors' policies for transplant candidates, and whether it is constitutional to remove a dying person's chance at life-saving surgery when she does not agree to take a, quote, novel drug still in clinical trials. That's how they put it. Rachel, you are True North's correspondent on this file. You've been writing stories on it. Uh, This is a very interesting update, although I think some people might say, whoa, hold up a second. Can you bring us back to basics here? So we have a person who is being denied an organ transplant because of their vaccine status. How did this come about? Yeah, that's exactly the case here. Annette Lewis has been fighting this for about a year in court now. She's already been to two Alberta courts. That last ruling came down in November when the court said, no, doctors don't have a say over the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. You know, the situation will not be looked at here. And her lawyers are also arguing that she should not be forced to take the COVID-19 vaccine because it's so new. They're arguing it's still in clinical trials. It's not safe yet. She doesn't want to take an experimental vaccine, essentially. So back in November, when this last court ruling came down from the Alberta Appeal Court, her lawyers said they were going to consider taking it to the Supreme Court, and we finally got a decision on that this week. And yes, in fact, they are going to ask the Supreme Court to look at this case. Of course, we're still waiting for an answer from Canada's top court on whether they're going to proceed with this case. We have seen courts go sort of with the winds of change when there was the greatest uh, fever pitch around COVID-19 and public opinion was sort of the, the most aggressive. I think courts almost went in that direction. Now that things have simmered down, I wonder if cooler heads will prevail in decisions. I think so. I think there's a good chance that they'll take this case. It's a very hot issue right now. I think it would set an important precedent in Canada's case law about the COVID-19 vaccine and how it's going to be sort of determined and looked at throughout Canada's health moving forward. So I think it would be an important case for them to take. That being said, I have no idea what they're going to decide to do. 2022 was a tough year for many Canadians, as food banks across the country were overwhelmed by Canadians utilizing their services. Unfortunately, 2023 is expected to be even worse. A new survey reveals that food banks across the country are expecting to see visits increase by 60% this year, following a surge in demand in 2022. The Toronto-based organization Second Harvest pulled over 1,300 Canadian charities on their outlooks for 2023. Last year, Canada saw an uptick of 134% growth when it came to Canadians visiting food banks. To meet the increased demand, 39% of charities polled say they will need a 50% growth in perishable food this year, while 44% said they need the same growth in non-perishable items. A vast majority of charities, 70%, said they need both food donations and funding to maintain their operations. Anthony, it seems that with each passing day, politicians in Canada continue to go on international junkets. I mean, we were just talking about the WEF conference, and they're continuing to raise taxes. True North has covered the increase in payroll taxes that Canadians are going to see this year. Does it really seem like federal politicians, and even provincial politicians to a lesser extent, really care about the inflation crisis? Well, this is not the first time that we have done a story on food bank usage. True North has been really attentive to food bank numbers 
all across the country and all of them are trending in a very worrisome direction and a lot of the language and the press releases coming out from individual food banks are, are ones of incredible heightened concern and yet to your point we do see politicians who are paid pretty well and they're guaranteed uh, raises this year that will probably make up for any sort of inflation they're feeling I, I think they know it's a constituent issue I'm sure they're hearing it I think they know that uh it's a it's a i think they know that it's a issue for them to think about but the bottom line is it's not an issue that they themselves are feeling so there is a disconnect from senior public servants from senior politicians and the vast majority of canadians who are feeling the pinch right now that's it for today and don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.